Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, March 16th, 2018. Our weekly guest on the show is Andrew Albanese, who joins me today from the New York City offices of Publishers Weekly, where he is a senior writer. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Greetings, Chris. So Sherman Alexie, best-selling author of novels, short stories, and memoirs that draw on his Native American heritage, has made national headlines, Andrew, following accusations of sexual misconduct by other writers. On March 2nd, you wrote in PW that these allegations against Alexi presented quite a problem for the American Library Association, which had awarded the author the Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Nonfiction. Well, this week it appears the problem was solved after Alexi declined the award, or was it solved? Uh, well, that's exactly right. The news kind of broke about, it was last Friday night, that amid these growing number of allegations of sexual misconduct against Sherman Alexie, that he did indeed decline the American Library Association's 2018 Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Nonfiction. Alexie was announced as the winner of that award on February 11th at the 2018 ALA Midwinter Meeting in Denver. Uh, and he won for his book, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, a memoir. And yeah, as you suggest the move by Alexi certainly relieves the ALA from having to make a pretty tough call. And I'll talk about that tough call in a second, but I just want to say straight up front that from my reporting on this, it's clear to me that the Carnegie Selection Committee settled on Alexi as their winner prior to any of these misconduct allegations against him being known, or at least being widely known, we can say. The committee work was certainly all done by the time the first accusations uh, against Alexi began circulating, which really began with these anonymous comments that were posted to a January 3rd article on the School Library Journal website. But as I wrote in my March 2nd column, ALA officials were still facing that tough call, and their tough call was whether or not they were going to go ahead and invite Alexi to speak to librarians and accept his medal at a reception this summer at the ALA Annual Conference, which is set for June 21st to the 25th in New Orleans. But having Alexi speak or asking him not to speak became a really thorny issue for ALA, and for one... Alexi is really popular among librarians. He's spoken at ALA and PLA conferences in recent years. In fact, he spoke at the last PLA conference in 2016, and librarians have really been his staunchest supporters over the years. And not only do they love his work, and not only is his work very popular in libraries, but his books routinely show up on the ALA's most challenged list year after year. So that's really given librarians a chance to sort of stand up for Alexi over the years. Uh, and librarians, of course, are staunch believers that you don't censor, that you don't pull controversial works from the shelves, that you maybe append some history to them, but you leave them alone. But the question was, were they going to extend that to a controversial author? They'll leave Alexi's books on the shelves, of course, but were they now going to sort of, having given him this award, were they going to actually pull him from the award dais? As you say, in the end, Alexi actually made the decision for them. Yeah, indeed he did. Sherman Alexi won't go to New Orleans to accept the Carnegie Award, but is that going to prove good enough for ALA and for librarians? Does this mean ALA can just wash its hands of the episode? Well, that's a really good question, and I 
don't know the answer to that. And here's why. You know, in a statement, ALA officials said that they acknowledged Alexi's decision and they would simply not award the Carnegie Nonfiction Medal this year. Uh, Jennifer Egan, who won for her fantastic novel uh, Manhattan Beach, won the Fiction Awards, and I assume that she will indeed be in New Orleans. But I have a lot of questions that are still unanswered, and I'm betting that the library community does too. And the first question is, was Alexi in discussions with ALA, or did he take this action preemptively on his own? Uh, We asked ALA about the allegations immediately after the Carnegie Award announcement was made, and we got a response on February 13th, so well before the reports became widely circulated, and they told us that they had just learned the allegations against Alexi. Indeed, sounds like they learned of the allegations against Alexi from us, (laughs) asking them about it. Uh, But ALA officials said they were looking into it, that they were taking these seriously, and that they were going to figure out what to do. So our question is, were they? Were they in talks with Alexi's camp? Were they taking it seriously? Were they just waiting to see what was going to happen? We don't know where things were in that process. The only thing we know is what ALA told us, uh, and they, they specifically told me that they were only informed by Alexi's agent that he was going to be declining the award. They left unanswered whether or not there were any discussions between the author and the ALA or the author's agent in the ALA. That's really not the biggest question I have. The question that I still have is, and which ALA has declined to answer, is what do they mean by not awarding the medal in nonfiction this year? Because Alexi's already won it. Are they going to just not give him his medal? Is he still going to be listed as the winner with, say, an asterisk by his name explaining what's going on? Because if they're going to go forward and say no winner for the 2018 Carnegie Award, then in fact, they've actually rescinded the award. And that's a whole different thing. And that opens a whole other can of worms. I mean, do we now rescind book awards for authors who behave badly? Because I think if we go back through history, go back through the canon, we're going to find that a lot of awards would have to be rescinded if that was the new standard. So I think ALA needs to clarify what they mean by not awarding the nonfiction medal for 2018. And I've asked them to, because either way, it matters. If they don't rescind the award, there's probably going to be some people that think they should and are going to be upset about that. And if they do, people are going to be concerned about what that means. So all I'm going to say now is it matters. I really think it matters what we're talking about here. And I hope in the coming days, uh, ALA will clarify what they mean by not awarding Alexia's medal. Well, at Sherman Alexie's request, publication of the paperback edition for You Don't Have to Say You Love Me has been postponed, which also seems a hardly direct response to the controversy. That's right. You know, that also came out this weekend. Alexis uh, informed his publisher, which was Hachette, uh, that he wanted to delay the paperback release uh, of the award-winning title. And uh, this is after weeks and weeks of us asking both Alexi and his agent and Hachette for, you know, a statement from the author about this. And now Hachette has finally made one. And in their statement, they say they're surprised and troubled to hear the allegations that have recently emerged against Alexi and concerned about the distress that this situation has caused so many. But you know, I'm frankly puzzled by Alexi's request. I really don't see what it achieves, especially since Hachette said it's going to keep all the rest of Alexi's titles in print. So I'm not sure exactly what they hope to achieve by pulling or postponing or for how long they plan to postpone the paperback edition of this title. You know, these are interesting times we live in, obviously, and it's hard to know what to do in these situations. But 
pulling literary awards and pulling books off shelves seems to me not to really effectively address the point here. And I don't know what the right thing is to do here. And I don't know the right way to address all this going forward. I'm hesitant to weigh in on any of it. But these efforts to me seem like half measures that are more or less designed to provide cover than closure. So where this all goes next, um, I just can't say. When Beyond the Book returns with PW's Andrew Albanese, we hear the latest on a search for a director at ALA. I'm Christopher Keneally from Copyright Clearance Center. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at PublishersWeekly.com slash PWRadio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese of Publishers Weekly. It's Friday, March 16th, 2018, and we are looking at the latest news on books and reading. And next week, Andrew, you'll be in Philadelphia for the Public Library Association meeting. You're expecting librarians there. We'll take the opportunity to debate the selection criteria for the next executive director at the American Library Association. That search has recently bogged down over whether or not a candidate should hold an MLS degree, a master's of Library Science. In Monday's issue, Brian Kenny, a PW columnist, has a hot take on that issue, and it's already causing some fireworks online. Uh, is it ever? It's, it's really blowing up online. And, you know, so, so right now, I'll just give you a little background. ALA members are voting in their spring elections. And this is, and this is for the next ALA council. This is for the next ALA president, etc. But there's also a measure on the ballot that's asking members to weigh in on whether the next ALA executive director should be required to be a librarian. In other words, should they be requ- required to have the MLS, the professional degree, the Masters of Library Science degree? And it has really become become a bitter, divisive battle in the profession. And with libraries facing such crucial challenges, you know, for political funding and otherwise, and especially the ALA facing challenges, it's really become a bit of an unnecessary distraction. All right. So for the long version, uh, readers, listeners, I should say, should go online at PW to see the reaction to Brian Kenny's piece. But give us the short version. What's the dispute really all about? Sure. So this saga really began at the 2017 ALA Midwinter meeting when the executive board of ALA introduced a resolution that would have made the MLS degree preferred for the executive director position rather than a requirement. You know, in the modern era, the MLS has been a requirement for that job. But of course, libraries have changed quite a bit in recent years, as we may have talked about on this show once or twice. And, you know, so has, you know, the world, frankly, since that requirement, the the MLS requirement was drafted. Uh, Anyway, that resolution from the ALA board was narrowly defeated by the ALA council. I think the vote was 78-75. But months later, the search for a permanent replacement for Keith Fields, who actually announced his retirement 18 months ago, almost two years ago, actually, and left the job last July, uh, really failed to turn up a suitable candidate. None of the candidates that came out of the initial search for the executive director job were able to advance. So the search committee, led by former ALA president Courtney Young, recommended back to the executive board that they revisit the MLS requirement, sort of broaden the pool. And last fall, ALA council, over an electronic vote, made this MLS preferred, this time 
MLS preferred over required had 77% support. So it wasn't even really a close vote. But that really angered the MLS required crowd. And they see this potential hiring of an association leader without an MLS degree as a statement about the MLS itself, about the value of the MLS. So they successfully circulated a petition to place the MLS question on the ALA spring ballot. And ALA members are now voting not only for council members and president right now, but they're also voting on whether or not their next executive director should be required to have that degree. And however the vote turns out, it really, this whole episode, from my perspective, has really been quite a boondoggle for ALA. For one, you know, it's, as I mentioned before, it's kind of an important time for libraries and the ALA. They are facing serious challenges. They had really poor attendance at the midwinter meeting. They're facing organizational and financial challenges and political challenges as well. As we've discussed on this show, the Trump administration wants to eliminate all federal library support. And yet we're delaying the permanent replacement of an executive director for the ALA who could really help energize and organize the profession until at least 2020, barring any unforeseen changes. Well, that would be concerning. So how does Brian Kenny himself come down on all this? That was great background, Andrew. But what's his opinion and how well has that been received? Well, Brian is very strongly and, you know, very willy, I must say. His his column was quite funny in places. Uh, Brian is very much on the side of getting the best association manager, period, and not the best association manager who may have earned an MLS and maybe even earned that MLS 30 years ago before librarians underwent so much change. So it seems to me that most librarians are with him on this, too. But the debate is certainly contentious, and you can read in some of the comments that tempers are definitely running a bit hot. Uh, and I'll just share with you one little bit of Brian's column that makes me, uh, that I think he makes a pretty solid point on, and that's that, and I'm going to quote him here, the best librarians are concerned with making their libraries better rather, rather than creating a better professional association. And that's where we should want the best librarians, he argues, in libraries. Uh, what we, sh- we should want at the top of a professional association like the ALA, he says, is the best association leader. And in fact, he points out, there's even a professional association for professional association leaders. It's called the the American Society of Association Executives, uh, and they provide a pretty rigorous certification program for people who are executives in this area, who lead associations. And this is sort of Brian's drop-the-mic moment in in his column. He writes that it strikes him as hypocritical that librarians for decades have been impersonating Rodney Dangerfield, complaining that the profession, that the MLS gets no respect, and yet they can't seem to acknowledge that association managers have their own specialized set of skills. And what that really portends for libraries, what, what libraries really stand to lose here, is some of the best, most logical candidates to lead the association going forward. Well, given your own specialized skills in reporting on the publishing trade, Andrew, you're the most logical candidate to join us every Friday on Beyond the Book for a rundown on the week's news in books and reading. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, as always. Next on Beyond the Book, early in 2018, YouTube announced it would become a registration agency for the international standard name identifier, ISNI, the global standard number for identifying millions of contributors to creative works. YouTube is the first ISNI registration agency in the music space, and Tim Devonport, executive director of ISNI's international agency, tells me how the partnership will handle the monumental challenge to identify performers and songwriters among billions of uploaded files. 
We think that we can both bring something to this party. We can bring ISNI's skills in terms of disambiguation and setting up persistent identifiers. And certainly the, the business case is there for YouTube to actually add this to the other mechanisms that it uses to correctly attribute information and particularly um, musical rights and so on to its performers and artists. Just to give some, some ideas of metrics, you, you mentioned that already we have something in excess of 10 million ISNIs already assigned to persons and individuals within the database. It could well be, we believe, that just the YouTube partnership may result in that figure going up by perhaps three to five million over the next couple of years. YouTube knows who you are. Next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries Rights Direct and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 